I'm Jonathan Mosen. Welcome to episode 34 of Mosen at Large. We continue to connect with you during this COVID-19 era and we talk a little bit about masks and whether there's any science behind members of the public wearing them. The note-taker debate continues. Are they valuable these days or not? And there's lots of tech news. Mosin at Large Podcast. If you'd like to make a contribution that might be included on Mosin at Large, you can phone the listener line. That number in the United States is 864-60-MOSIN, 864-606-6736. You can also make an audio or written contribution by email, jonathan, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N, at mushroomfm.com. We play a selection of the contributions we receive every week. It would be helpful if your message is concise due to the volume of contributions we receive, and your contribution may be edited for brevity and clarity. A reminder that to help you navigate this long podcast, it is segmented by chapter. All the good podcast apps support chapters. That means you can skip forward and back between sections. Mickey Quenza says, I want to learn more about the Sonos battery-operated speaker for use outside. Is it worth the price? Does it have a mini jack input? This is the Sonos Move. And it was released just a few months ago. I don't know if it has a mini jack input. It does have Bluetooth, I'm pretty sure. I don't own a Sonos Move. But if anybody does and they want to comment on the sound, I've I've heard that it sounds quite similar to the Play One, which has a very nice sound. So maybe others can chime in and let us know what they think of their Sonos move. And having procured one, is it any good? Mickey says, is there a YouTube channel for Corona parodies? Possibly. I don't know. I just sort of get sent these things. People send me links to interesting things. And he also says, I also want to thank you for keeping me company during all this crazy virus fandango. That's an interesting way to put it, the virus fandango. And we've certainly been doing a bit of this, and it's absolutely my pleasure. I've been doing the smorgasbord twice a day during the week live at 2 a.m. and p.m. Eastern time, sometimes with guests and sometimes without. But it would be good to check in with the larger Mosin at Large and Mosin Explosion audience to find out how you're doing because things are evolving with this virus thing. Some are making the decision to try and open their economies up again. And it seems that in many cases, those decisions are somewhat hasty and ill-judged. Nevertheless, you may be in a situation where you are having to get back on public transport, get back outside and try and do some things. And one of the things that I find most concerning about this situation is the conflicting advice that people are given on the efficacy of masks. And it really seems to depend where in the world you are. In the UK, for example, the general message is masks may have a very marginal benefit in certain situations, such as when you're on public transport or something like that. But even then, the benefit is really quite negligible. And it almost sounds to me like people are recommending masks because it gives people a sense of control over their situation. But there are many people who believe masks for general members of the public. Face coverings are a lot more effective than the science actually says that they are. And then when people perhaps are cognizant of that science and believe that they're in a situation where having a face covering on could do more harm than good, and in certain cases for disabled people, that is the case, 
such, for example, as uh, people who need to lip read. It's a it's a really bad scene when you've got all these face coverings going on. So some people choose not to wear them, not based on any desire to infect anyone or disrespect of the situation, just because maybe they have actually read the science and found that, in fact, facial coverings for members of the public have an extremely marginal utility. But what's happening now is because this sort of science, pseudoscience, whatever you like to call it, is out there saying that facial coverings are effective, people are being criticized, pilloried, dobbed in, quite serious consequences if you're not out there. So it's almost like a mob mentality is taking hold. So isn't it unfortunate that here we are in 2020 with this very serious pandemic and we can't get conclusive consensus from scientists about the efficacy of masks. Here, according to our Deputy Prime Minister, who, shall we say, is a bit more um, blunt than our Prime Minister, our Deputy Prime Minister says, and I quote, we are beating the crap out of the coronavirus. (laughs) This is what he was in the media saying the other day. And I suppose it's fair to say that we are. We are uh, having very small numbers of cases a day, sort of two, three. We did have six yesterday, which was the highest it's been for ages. And they've relaxed our lockdown a little bit this week. So we've now moved from level four to level three. And what that means is that our Uber Eats app now works again. Oh, my word. After all of this uh, nearly five weeks of not having the Uber Eats app work because you couldn't have any deliveries of prepared food, you couldn't go and pick up food from restaurants, all the McDonald's, the Burger Kings, all those sorts of places were closed. And when they opened again, oh, my word. There were lines going all the way around the block of people at 5 a.m. wanting to get their McDonald's fix for the first time in nearly five weeks. And you go on to the Uber Eats app and it says things like, your favorites are now available again from McDonald's. It's just that we don't have any lettuce because apparently our particular McDonald's ran out of lettuce. I was just sort of skimming through that in the Uber Eats app. We also have some of these fast food places that have just had so much demand after all this suppression of the food that they've run out of of important stock. You may know the old song about the pub with no beer from an Australian called Slim Dusty. Well, imagine a KFC without chicken in Invercargill, way down the bottom of the South Island. They actually ate the KFC out of chicken and they had to get more supplies in. So it's all very extraordinary. And with restaurants here not being able to open for sit-down meals, many are getting into delivery for the first time. We had a brilliant fine dining experience from a restaurant that Bonnie and I like to go to, and they wouldn't have dreamed in a million years of delivering before, but now they are. Absolutely delicious, rare wood-fire steak. Oh, my word, it was epic. Epic is what it was. All delivered here. So, I mean, I actually quite enjoyed that because there wasn't the noise of being in the restaurant. Sure, we got charged a delivery fee, but it was actually cheaper than getting an Uber or a taxi there. So, you know, I guess there are there are silver linings to every cloud. Let us know how you're doing, how the COVID-19 thing is working for you. We are very fortunate here in New Zealand. Uh, people keep sending me articles about how New Zealand is considered world leading and it's COVID-19 uh, fighting stance and I just 
am so thankful every day, but I'm mindful that so many listeners are not in that position and that it's a very scary time. Yeah. Our prime minister is actually at something like 60 odd, uh, 65% in a most recent poll as preferred prime minister. The, le- the leader of the opposition is all the way back on seven. And we moved to a model of proportional representation in 1996. Since then, we have never had a government that has been able to govern outright. In other words, where there's been a majority party who has had over 50% of the vote. And our system is designed that way. It's designed around consensus and coalition so that you don't get extremes in either direction. But according to the latest poll, the Prime Minister is so popular, Jacinda Ardern, that she would actually, for the first time in this system, be able to govern without anybody else's help. So we'll see. I think those numbers will probably condense in the next few months. We've got an election on the 19th of September, and we are facing some pretty stark economic realities like everybody else. There'll be lots of job loss, few people hiring for a while. And in my day job, obviously, that's something that I am uh, really wrestling with, uh, being involved in assisting disabled people into work. Kerry Regan tuned in via my new iPhone SE 2. It's working beautifully so far. And we do have at least one listener contribution coming up on the iPhone SE 2. But I would be interested in people emailing in or phoning in or whatever their reviews of the iPhone SE 2 because I think it was on the 24th of April that they started arriving. So you will have had a week and a bit to... Get to know your iPhone SE2, getting to know you. So how's it all working out? Are you pleased with your purchase? Holger says, if masks do not work, why do doctors use them when doing surgery? Illinois will not open until June. I mean, that's a very good and fair question. The difference is the personal protective equipment, PPE, that doctors use are professional quality masks. That's the first thing. Second, they are trained in fitting them in an environment that's quite sterile. So when they put that PPE on, they are doing so with extremely clean hands and they replace them very regularly. With your kind of situation where a lot of people will touch their faces with the PPE on or or, or their their makeshift homemade PPE, it's not as effective according to the data that I'm reading. Governor Cuomo says Kerry issued an executive order a few weeks ago that masks must be worn in all public places. I don't mind much, except that the cloth masks get ridiculously hot after a while and summer's coming soon. Hey, Jonathan, my name is Anil. Two weeks back, I spoke about Braille screen input not working on my Samsung Galaxy M20 mobile. I tested it with Huawei Honor 9 Lite. The Braille screen input feature worked well. I don't know what's happened with my Samsung Galaxy M20. The toggle switch for Braille screen input is disabled, hence I cannot toggle it. This led me to little bit of frustration which made me to share another problem on my Samsung mobile which is bugging me since I have got it. 
the problem occurs when you have whatsapp groups with large names example would be jonathan muzan 2000 when you encounter such whatsapp groups the google text to speech engine stops speaking the only way to get speech is to restart your mobile this forces me to use samsung's own text to speech engine which does not support my regional language i will try contacting samsung's accessibility support and let you know if i get any kind of response best of luck anil now while i've been rabbiting on i have got this information from the scottish government and this is a very interesting page because it summarizes pretty well the science as i have understood it to be so this is what it says questions have been asked about the use of facial coverings and we address that here physical distancing hand washing and respiratory hygiene are the most important and effective measures we can all adopt to prevent the spread of coronavirus therefore the wearing of facial coverings must not be used as an alternative to any of these other precautions the evidence on the use of face coverings is limited but there may be some benefit in wearing a facial covering when you leave the house and enter enclosed spaces especially where physical distancing is more difficult and where there is enough risk of close contact with multiple people you do not usually meet examples include traveling on public transport or entering a food shop where it is not always possible to maintain a 2 meter distance from another customer there is no evidence to suggest there might be a benefit outdoors unless in an unavoidable crowded situation where there may be some benefit as some people can have the virus but experience no symptoms that's known as asymptomatic infection wearing a face covering in the situations outlined above may provide some level of protection against transmission to other people in close proximity however it remains the case that anyone with symptoms and all members of the household whether they have symptoms or not must self isolate and adhere to the guide on and then there's a link to another document uh, on the uh, Scottish NHS website by face coverings we do not mean the wearing of a surgical or other medical grade mask but a facial covering of the mouth and nose that is made of cloth or other textiles and through which you can breathe for example a scarf when applying or removing the covering it is important that you wash your hands first and avoid touching your face after each use you must wash the face covering covering at 60 degrees centigrade or dispose of it safely face coverings should not be used for children under the age of 2 years old we are recommending that you consider using face coverings in the limited circumstances described above as a precautionary measure given that the evidence of impact on transmission is relatively weak the public use of facial coverings is not being made mandatory and will not be enforced at this stage 
However, we will keep this guidance under ongoing review as we consider any easing of lockdown restrictions in the weeks ahead. Now, that's interesting because that is basically saying, you know, there's really not a lot of evidence, but we'll just do this just in case. In England, it's even more blunt. They're basically saying they just don't believe they really do help. So it is frustrating as a layman when all you want is to keep yourself safe and keep other people safe and you're getting this conflicting advice. Regarding the iPhone SE Volume 2, Kerry says, I got my phone on Wednesday and was able to set it up and activate it completely independently, which was awesome. Only major issue was with my Kindle app. When I imported my books from the cloud to the new device, none of the bookmarks were saved. Oi, that is very frustrating. Other than that, though, I'm loving the phone. I'm enjoying the haptic feedback and the screen size isn't the issue I thought it'd be. When you were worried about the um, screen size, was it because you were worried it would be too big or too small? I think I'd now be a little bit reluctant to go back to that smaller size phone. I've got the 11 Pro Max and I really like it, especially for Braille screen input, which is my primary method of input on my iPhone. Hi, Jonathan. This is Andy Rebscher, the main man. Yeah, main man. And uh, I wanted to ask you a Mushroom FM question. I'm a broadcast engineer and our radio stations over the years have used a couple of different software audio processing packages to process our streams, neither of which are accessible to me. I was wondering what you're using on Mushroom FM to process the audio or whether it might be some kind of hardware. Anyway, be well. Talk to you again sometime. Yeah, man. Audio geekery. Well, we are using a piece of software that emulates an OptiMod in software, and the UI is very inaccessible, but what we did, actually when Mushroom FM returned in 2015, was we all spent a lot of time playing with the INI file for this uh, OptiMod emulator and worked out what each parameter did and tweaked it. And so now Mushroom FM fun guys who broadcast live, the the majority of our stuff goes through the Mushroom pod, of course, but Mushroom FM fun guys who broadcast live now have the same settings, which gives that consistent kind of sound. And we're very proud of the way it sounds, you know. Um, obviously, OptiMods can be configured in various ways depending on the style of music you're playing and uh, some of those OptiMods for FM progressive rock stations oh my word some of the processing on that thing is pretty intense so we've tried to find a middle ground there Jonathan Mosen Mosen at Large Podcast Petra is emailing in she says there used to be an app I think it was called Cards which would allow you to look for birthday or Father's Day cards and address them and send them from your iPhone. The cards were then sent the old-fashioned way and cost around four US dollars. It was completely accessible and would describe the front of the card and read the message inside. It was wonderful. Do you know if there is such an app now? 
Not to my knowledge, Petra, I know about that app. It was made by Apple. And yeah, it was just called Cards. And it was kind of cool. I must say, I never sent a card with the Cards app because I'm the kind of person that just tends to send an e-card or some sort of gift certificate for those sorts of occasions. But it was nice to think that there was this accessible way of shopping for those things. Because even if you go online and you have a supermarket that stocks those sorts of cards, you never got that sort of degree of greeting from the supermarket websites. So cards really did fill a pretty cool niche. And no, I am not aware of any app that does a similar thing, but perhaps someone else is. So we throw it open there and maybe someone can give us some app suggestions. Thank you, Petra. Here's Luis Pena in Colombia. He says, hi, Jonathan. In the last episode of Mosin at Large, one of your listeners asked about YouTube Music and Sonos. I have been using YouTube Music with Sonos for six months without any difficulty. I installed this service as the other services. The Sonos app only asked for my Google account and password, and that was it. When I perform searches in the Sonos app, the results also include items found in the YouTube Music service. I can confirm that too, Louise. When I got YouTube Music as part of my YouTube premium plan, I had the devil of a job, I tell you. The devil of a job getting it configured. And it wanted all this code and all sorts of weird stuff that I haven't seen from authorizing Sonos apps before. And I don't know whether it just took a while for my credentials to catch up with Sonos or whether they were going through a weird down period. But after I got your message, I had another go and it was effortless, just like all the other Sonos services. So my little experience was an anomaly. David Arocco is emailing in and he says, Hi, Jonathan, I have been looking into investing in cryptocurrencies. There are many online services that provide access to these. However, the most secure system to keep track of your investments and personal possession of the bitcoins is to use a physical digital crypto wallet. This is basically a specifically designed thumb drive, which is protected with a cipher code, which then gives you access to the special keys you need to access your cyber crypto coins. This code appears first when you insert the thumb drive into your computer. These specially designed drives are called crypto wallets, They are available from Amazon and other vendors. My question, are these accessible with our screen readers? If you do not know the answer, which I don't, perhaps some of your listeners will. Great show. Keep up the good work. Thank you, David. I know nothing about this field at all, so I will be interested to hear what anyone has to say on the subject of uh, cryptocurrencies and their accessibility and ways of dealing with that. So uh, let's see if we get any feedback on that question. Hi, Jonathan. This is Brett Halley and my guide dog, Jaguar, calling from the island of Maui, Hawaii. Oh, aloha. Aloha. First time caller. First of all, want to wish you and Mushroom FM a belated happy birthday. Anyway, the reason for my call is that last week you 
teased um, a boxing of the Zoom F6 and um, hopefully um, doing a review and a setup. And I'm eagerly interested in finding out when that might happen. Being a nerd, I'm very interested in this device. In any case, I want to thank you for all that you do and uh, wish you continued safety um, with the uh, virus lockdown and uh, continued soup-free existence. Yes! Take care. I wish you a pineapple-filled existence. I mean, what a contrast. People talk about chalk and cheese, but what about soup and pineapple? Oh, man. Pineapple may be carby, but it's delicious. And some of the best pineapple I've ever eaten has been when I was in Hawaii. Oh, my word. Thank you very much, Brett. That was excellent. Now, oh, yes, you were talking about the Zoom F6. It's amazing to think it was only two weeks ago that Gary O'Donoghue upended the whole universe by phoning in that little contribution. I think he recorded the little contribution about the Zoom F6. So let me update you for those people who don't listen to the smorgasbord with where I'm at with that. After the show, I immediately started fossicking around watching YouTube videos and really getting to grips with the repercussions of purchasing the Zoom F6. Now, if you weren't listening to the show two weeks ago, the story is that the Zoom F6, according to Gary O'Donoghue, who is a reliable source, uh, has a couple of benefits for blind people into audio. One of them is that it uses 32-bit floating-point technology, which means it's basically impossible to over-modulate it. When you're out there and you're making the recording of your life, you know, a great interview or something like that, it is so disconcerting to find that it's so distorted, it's unusable, or it's so soft that you're bringing all sorts of horrible hiss into the mix. You don't have that problem with this new 32-bit floating point recording technology. Genius! And the other thing about the F6 is that it comes with an iPhone app. Now, in doing a bit of research on this and talking with Gary some more, the iPhone app isn't perfect but you can certainly control the transport functions you know you can record you can play you can control some settings you can't for example determine which usb mode the recorder is going to be in is it going to appear as a drive is it going to be an audio interface you do have to memorize the sequences there and probably most critically you need a bluetooth dongle to establish this connection between the recorder and the iPhone. And you've got to enable Bluetooth every time you turn on the recorder. I guess for power consumption reasons, they they turn it off. So you've still got to memorize some key sequences, but it is a significant step forward. Now, one of the downsides for people who are already in the Zoom ecosystem is that if you have a Zoom H recorder or any of those recorders that use the Zoom proprietary capsules, those microphones don't work. So you're going to have to use regular dynamic or condenser mics. You know, it's got phantom power, but you won't be able to snap on those little capsules, which are a little bit like lenses on those expensive DSLR cameras. So you can't do that. And so there are pros and cons. And I debated with myself, which is quite fun. And I said, Jonathan, do I really need this recorder? And then I said, well, Jonathan, why not? I mean, you know, it distortion's a thing and if you're hearing impaired it could help and then i said i only just got the h6 and then i said well that is true but richard could use it couldn't he and i said yeah i guess he could 
And on it went, you see. Richard is an audio engineer. My son is an audio engineer. And he actually had to borrow an H6 from his university a couple of times for some audio projects. And his birthday is coming up. So I would be just cool dad incorporated if I gave him the H6 uh, to help him with his audio engineering project. So in the end, I have ordered the F6 and the F6 has arrived. And look, if I just point the microphone in this direction, you'll see it over there. See? See? Okay. Yeah, that's it. That's the little box in the corner. I haven't unboxed it because I figure that um, I I will probably have Richard over here. Um, We are now able to extend our bubble by one person. So we're still not allowed to see anybody, except that if you're in a situation where you genuinely need a little bit of extra assistance, and Bonnie and I could certainly argue that, we are allowed to have one person come to our house now. So I thought, oh, we'll choose Richard. But Richard's a bit reluctant about coming over here in an Uber. Um, so, so I've got it in the corner. Now, my understanding is that Gary is working on a demo of the F6. And if he's happy for us to include that in the podcast feed, we will definitely do so. And we'll make it a separate episode so that it's easy for people to find it in future. So um, you will certainly be hearing more about the F6. And when I eventually unbox it, get familiar with it, we'll do some recordings. Obviously, the microphones that we use here in the studio, the high LPR40s, will plug into that recorder. I also have a couple of Samson Q2Us in the portable recording kit. So it'll all be good. So I am looking forward to playing with the F6. I think it's a useful investment. And it's also quite a bit smaller than the H6 as well. So that's always nice. I understand that the the controls might be a little bit more cramped as a result, but I don't think I'll have any issues with that. Aaron says, uh, Braille screen input is working for me. He says, I'm using the Samsung A7 2018. Is there any software where I can practice Braille typing on the PC. I would like to be able to type quickly. Isn't there a thing called Perky Duck? I don't know much about Perky Duck, but that rings a bell. I think what Perky Duck is supposed to do is it makes the FDS and JKL keys your six-dot Perkin-style keyboard, and you can Braille into your computer using Perky Duck. Maybe somebody can tell me more about that. Who knows about it? Mike Fair, who we'll hear from soon, says, uh, well, probably quite a bit later, actually, given the way we're going, says, I'm very glad to hear that the new iPhone SE is indeed working well for blind people. It sounded like it would be spectacular, provided you didn't want to use Braille screen input. See, I'm not sure about that. I mean, um, I think Braille screen input should be okay for a lot of people on the smaller phones, just, just slightly preferable on the larger ones. But It'll be interesting to hear if there are any browse screen input aficionados rocking the iPhone SE 2. Let us know either way. Wes Majerus, welcome to you, Wes. And he says, uh, pandemic is leading to a lot of uncertainty here in central Iowa. Working from home since the 23rd of March. My wedding is on the 23rd of May. Planning to go ahead is scheduled, but this has made it difficult to decide where to live well congratulations on your forthcoming nuptials we didn't have any weddings permitted in level four i think they are permitted in level three but you can't have a wedding function you can have a service and i think have up to 10 people at the service but no more than 10 and no no function where there's food 
Peggy says, I am not aware of an app that would help a blind person shop for cards, but perhaps a service like Ira or Be My Eyes would be able to provide that service, though it would be hard to hold a phone and rummage through cards at the store. Yes, so what you could do, because with Ira you can... um, have them connect to your computer using TeamViewer. So that might be a way around it. And you can go to a website where you can shop for stuff. Jonathan, this is Roy from Little Rock, Arkansas. Hello, Roy. I'd like to ask you a few questions about Zoom. Since I read your book, I've had no difficulty using it. The sound is as clear as it can be. And my questions have to do with upgrading and recording I just have a limited account right now, but I would like to upgrade. I don't have Zoom on my PC. Do I need to put it on there in order to upgrade? And also, as far as recording is concerned, can I record from my iPhone or do I need to record from Windows? And also, can I only host or can I only record broadcasts that I host or can I record broadcasts in which I'm a participant. Mm, Good questions, Roy. To the best of my knowledge, there is no in-app purchase option in Zoom, but you should be able to go to the Zoom website on your phone using Safari and make a purchase of the plan from there, and you can set up a recurring PayPal subscription. So if you're fairly adept with your browser, that should all be possible. Once you've enabled that paid plan, you can record from the cloud, which is actually a really great way for many people to produce podcasts and things entirely on their iPhone. Although I do note that uh, you're a Backpack Studio user because you've told me that before. Backpack Studio is about to introduce a feature built into their app where you can interview guests directly in the app, which will be really interesting, particularly given that Backpack Studio also streams. So that uh, has all sorts of exciting repercussions. In terms of recording meetings that you're not the host of, that is settable by the host of the meeting. They can set it so that only the host can record or the co-host, or they can set it so that any participant can record. So if that's something that you want to do, you'll have to ask the meeting host to set up the meeting that way. Here's Haya Simkin who says, I found your Zoom tutorial. Thanks for providing it for free. I use a MacBook with the latest updates for macOS and Zoom. How do you access the whiteboard for writing and reading? I can't see what's written there ever. This is important because I'm taking an online French course. Ollie! As part of my master's. And I have to read the spelling. I also might go into online language tutoring. And I want to write things for students there if I can. I haven't found anything addressing this specifically on Google. Can you read a word file while someone is sharing their screen? I assume that it becomes a picture, but I'm not sure. Yes, you're correct. It's not possible to access any of that with a screen reader because it's a bitmap image. Now, that said, you may well be able to use JAWS's OCR. Oh, but you're using a Mac. Well, if you're using a PC, you may be able to use JAWS's OCR feature, which has the ability to take bits of the screen and perform optical character recognition on that image. That wouldn't be the 
you know, most efficient way to do it. It could be quite clunky, I have to say, but if you're really at a pinch and you, you want to get it done, that might be a possibility. You can certainly run a PowerPoint or a Word file and share your screen yourself, but reading what other people have done, that is not possible at the moment in the Zoom app. As I say, a little bit of OCR may do the trick. It's not something I've had to try myself. So what I typically do is if somebody is going to do a PowerPoint presentation or something like that, and I know about it, I say to them, can you send it to me in advance? Drop it to me by email, send me a link where it's available in a file sharing service. And most people are happy to do that. Jonathan Mosin, Mosin at Large Podcast. Hello, Jonathan. It's uh, Saddam from Melbourne. Thanks so much for putting out your podcasts once again. It's really highly appreciated. I wanted to comment on a couple of things. First of all, I'm currently using the iPhone SE, second generation. Really enjoying it. It's very compact. I've been an iPhone 11 Pro Max user for probably since the last six months. And my iPhone 11 Pro Max is being fixed. Um, and so I've, I've fallen back on the iPhone SE second gen and I must say I really love Touch ID I have it on my iPad mini and also my MacBook and so getting back to Touch ID is really awesome particularly you know these days where people are having to cover their face or whatever with COVID-19 the other thing I wanted to talk about is envy in the blind community it seems to me that it's something that's very prevalent in the community and it's also quite disheartening. You know, being a, a smaller, a minority, if you like, we should be sticking together and celebrating everyone's achievements, even if it's not us who's, who's done well. But it seems to be the opposite. If someone does do very well or is academically gifted or gets a, gets a promotion at work or cracks that employment nut which is so hard to crack then we want to bring that person down and what have you and I've experienced it myself with things in my life that people have said or email lists and things like things like that so we can be very cutting amongst ourselves which is very sad it brings out the worst in humanity especially if you know we're supposed to be a minority and we should, we should really stick together I take a, a point of celebrating everyone's achievements and giving a kind word, even if it's not me who's achieved well. Good to hear from you, Saddam. Glad you're enjoying the SE too, although I would think that coming from an 11 Pro Max, it'd be a bit of a contrast because you've got the Touch ID to contend with or to get, to get used to again and the smaller size, but I'm glad it's working out for you. There is a suggestion that we could see Touch ID back as early as this year with one of the new iPhones that are coming out in the iPhone 12 range, which will be the first to have 5G. So we'll look forward to seeing whether we get the in-screen fingerprint detection. I think that will be fantastic. If you can unlock your phone by just putting your finger anywhere in the screen, that'd be pretty epic. So we'll see how that goes. And there is some suggestion that there might be a fractional delay that we might be looking at sort of October time before the new iPhone 12 range starts to come out due to manufacturing delays that have been caused by COVID-19. Regarding envy in the blind community, 
See, I don't know whether this is specifically blindness related or not. I know that sometimes we attribute characteristics and desirable sometimes to the blind community or the minority community that we happen to be a part of. I've done this myself, I think, probably erroneously over the years, and I don't know how much of it is just human nature. And we are singling out the blind community because we spend a lot of time in the blind community. But I think it is unfortunate when you look at any minority. I mean, you look at, for example, um, President Obama picking another minority whose father was from Kenya. And so although he was African-American, he wasn't descended from slaves. And so some of the black community felt, you know, he, he wasn't really black enough and that it was a little bit of a distortion to call him the US's first black president. So you do get people who are leaders in their field who are successful, who are criticized. And I suppose that goes with the territory. You look at pop artists or, I don't know, sports people who rise to the top of their field and then people want to take them down a peg or two, don't they? There is some really interesting work done by Eckhart Tolle, who I've talked about on various shows over the years. He wrote The Power of Now and A New Earth, and he talks about this concept of the pain body. And I think when you are a part of a group that has faced a lot of systemic discrimination, there is quite a strong pain body present in that minority community. And when you have the rampant unemployment that we do in the blind community, and that's only going to get worse, unfortunately, when we're often misunderstood, underestimate, even many of us who are employed are underemployed. We don't feel like we have access to the promotion that we ought to. Understandably, there is quite a lot of pain, and sometimes that doesn't manifest itself in constructive ways. Many blind people do look at people that they personally consider to be successful, and they say, I want this. How did that person get this? And sometimes they approach whoever they deem to be successful and say, how did you do that? What are the qualities that you had that helped you to do what you did? And I'd like to foster those qualities too. Other people, you're right. Other people are very resentful. Those who will succeed are the former, the people who say success is not a kind of a zero-sum game, like I can be successful without someone else not being successful. And that's the group that will grow, I think. But you do raise a good point. The one thing that I am really troubled by is the group in our community that Kenneth Jernigan called Parasites. I remember reading this some years ago, and I wish I could remember specifically the address that he, he used that term. And every so often we have them on this program, actually. The parasites are the people who say, well, all you blind extremists who are, you know, after civil rights and human rights, you are uh, way too radical, way too politically correct. And yet at the same time, they have benefited from the very things that they are criticizing. They perhaps have not encountered discrimination in their lives because the advocates, the doers, the change agents, the people who went out there and made the world a better place, they fixed the problems. That's not to say all the problems are fixed, but they got on the front line. They got in the trenches. They advocated for the legislative change. They didn't accept the bigotry and the discrimination. And then you have the parasites who pop up 
and claim that even though they have benefited from all of these things, that somehow blind people are, are too radical and, and takers and all that kind of stuff. Those people disgust me. They really do disgust me. Aaron says, is the stereo mode and original sound available now for free accounts because I am able to change the settings on my settings page on the website? If that's the case, then it sounds like yes, Aaron, which is a great thing. I know that uh, original sound has just been introduced into the iOS app as well. So that's really cool. Uh, So it's great that Zoom are making those features available, especially the original sound, because if you've got good gear, then it can make all the difference, all the difference in the uh, recording of podcasts and stuff like that. These days I am using Zoom a bit, but we're very much buried in Microsoft Teams things at the moment. And I am quite enjoying Microsoft Teams. It's not perfect. For example, with Zoom, you clearly hear who is joining a meeting. With Teams, I'm currently finding at least that When someone joins a meeting, JAWS says two participants have joined the meeting, which firstly is not true, but secondly, it doesn't tell you who's joined. So there are some advantages with Zoom, but uh, Teams is pretty impressive. And we'll have a bit more of a talk, actually, about the whole video conferencing space in a bit. Hello, Jonathan. This is Tom Reynolds checking in from suburban Los Angeles, California. Hey, Tom. First of all, I want to thank you for all of your great work and contributions over the years. I always look forward to your weekly podcasts because they're so entertaining and typically very informative. I have a question that I think you'd be well suited to answer, and it has to do with, of all things, setting levels on Apple devices. I was just wondering if you had a systematic way of setting levels, meaning playback levels for both voiceover and music on all your Apple devices such that the levels approximately match one another, whether you're in FaceTime, whether you're taking a phone call, whether you're listening to a voicemail message, and so on. There's no systematic way that I know of of doing this. It seems to be done pretty much by trial and error. I do know that there's a way of setting the levels for Siri such that when Siri answers your question, you aren't blasted out of the room. And there's a setting in the rotor for adjusting the volume of voiceover itself. But you can set other levels uh, and control the levels of these different prompts. But there isn't one place within the operating system that I know of that lets you set all these independently. You have to just do them by trial and error until you seemingly get the result you want. But I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Thanks, Tom. It's a really good point. If you go into the Windows Mixer, whenever you've got apps open, you now have in Windows 10 individual control of all of those apps. And it's very, very handy to just have everything in one place. You can keep that window open. You can assign a shortcut key to it. And you have this granular control over all of the apps. And that is not something that iOS offers. Of course, it can be quite tricky because with things like phone calls, that kind of thing, a lot depends on people's own microphone technique. 
some people, I don't know what they're doing with their iPhones, but they can be incredibly hard to hear. I think part of it could also be because, to be honest, I don't think the audio on phone calls when somebody's using AirPods is terribly good. I find that quite difficult at times when somebody's wearing AirPods and they they talk on the phone or FaceTime. It's horrible. One thing you can do is you can go into settings and then into music and under music, there's an equalizer setting and there's a little known feature in that music equalizer setting called late night. That actually adds a bit of system-wide compression to the output of your iPhone. It works. You can actually hear the difference it makes immediately when you turn late night on to voiceover. And it does kind of smooth out a range of audio apps well beyond the music app on your iPhone. And the purpose of late night is it's supposed to help make sure that the dynamic range is more limited. The louds aren't too loud and the softs aren't too soft for listening at night. But it is kind of nice that it adds the system-wide compression. Some people may find it overly compressed, but turn it on and see what you think. I mean, you can just switch it back off again. See if you feel that that makes a sufficient difference. Mosin at Large Podcast. We've been talking about Zoom a little bit on the show today, and this whole area of teleconferencing It's busy. Zoom continues to update itself to fix security issues and add enhancements, although yet again they have fallen foul of savvy tech people. You'll recall that we talked about the fact that Zoom at one point was claiming end-to-end encryption. We found out that that was wrong. wrong. Yeah, wrong. They were not doing end-to-end encryption, so they had to correct that in a bit of an embarrassing thing. They also recently said that they had moved from 200 million to 300 million daily users. Now, it turns out that's not correct either, and they've had to retract that statement. They've got 300 million, but they are Zoom sessions. So it could be, for example, that if you're using Zoom extensively, especially at a time like Now, when people are working from home, you might have six meetings, let's say, six or seven meetings in a day. Each of those is counted as one of the 300 million. So that's not 300 million individuals using Zoom every day. So that's a bit naughty. And um, Zoom has had to retract that as well. So um, it is a shame when they are making these claims that they then have to recant. Now, Microsoft Teams, they are talking about genuine daily users. They have seen a huge uptake in use. They are at 75 million people using Teams every day. That should increase quite a bit when they roll out their Teams for Families product, which will get Teams out of the business space and into the consumer space as well. Facebook is dabbling in this area as well. There's a technology called Facebook Rooms. It's a Zoom competitor, and they're gradually rolling this out. Currently, video calls of up to eight people are supported, but they eventually hope to get to a point where Facebook Rooms will support up to 50 people. And WhatsApp is doing the same. They've extended their group video calling to eight people. And Google 
man, they change their product names and branding and start and stop services so much. It's very confuzzling. But Google is really getting into this space as well with Google Meet, which is a product that's a part of G Suite. It is now, though, being made available free, free for anyone. But you do have to have a Google account and be signed into it. So one of the things that's quite elegant about Teams, actually, is that you can send out a Teams invitation. As long as you've got a modern browser that supports WebRTC, they don't try and make you install a client or anything like that. You can do the whole thing in browser. Zoom also does this, but they really make it quite difficult to not install their client. So kudos to Microsoft for that. It's similar with uh, Google uh, with their uh, web-based offering, but you do have to have a Google ID. Once you do have that Google ID, you can hold meetings of up to 100 people, and they can be as long as you like. Google says that at the end of September, it may restrict the length of those meetings to 60 minutes, but still that's better than Zoom's 40 minutes. And you can download the Google Hangouts app from the App Store, And you can also go to meet.google.com to find out more. The rollout is progressive, but you can sign up to be notified when it's available to you. And, of course, Skype is still there. I don't really find many people in my circle who use Skype at all now, but it's, it's still around. I mean, it's been around since 2003. And during this period, they have been emphasizing their ability to connect to Skype Skype group calls from the web without an account and without having to install Skype. So again, very similar to the approach that Teams have taken. And you do sort of have to wonder, will we ever quite go back to the way we were before? I think a lot of people will be thinking carefully about the role of buildings, the role of physical meetings, and how cost-effective it is to meet this way. And as long as people invest in decent gear, Uh, Audio is often an afterthought for people, unfortunately, on these calls. (laughs) Uh, But as long as the audio is good and the bandwidth is good, they can be very good. And one of the things that I'm finding great is that as a chief executive, I get invited to a lot of events where you have politicians or other business leaders presenting. And in the past, I would think twice and think, you know, how easy is it going to be for me to, first of all, find the venue or that kind of stuff, second, to hear it. With a, with a hearing impairment in addition to blindness. But with all of these things happening via Zoom now, I'm attending a lot more of them. It's a lot less stressful and it's effortless. There are pluses and you just get the feeling that with this pandemic, things may be changing permanently in certain respects. At Large Podcast. Hey, Jonathan, says Tyler. This is Tyler. Yeah, see, I told you it was Tyler. From Southeast Texas, I figured I'd put my two cents in. Send my comments from the peanut gallery. FYI, he says. That means for your information. Peanuts aren't actually nuts. They're legumes. The same family as green beans, but that's not the point. I agree. Moving on. When you mentioned the facts that note takers aren't worth it these days, I had to put in my comment. The thing is, Braille with a lowercase b, note takers are an all-in-one solution that just works. And now that they're all on Android, it's not like it used to be in the days of Windows CE with them being obsolete. Yes, they're expensive, but pretty much everything blind-related is because of the small market. That's not my point, though. My thing is, Bluetooth is a major battery drain, 
What if I want to use my phone as a phone, etc., and can't because I've used all the battery up on book reading and note-taking apps? This is why I still use devices like the Victor Trek because of the fact that it has buttons and doesn't require me to swipe or touch a screen means I can use the device quickly while walking. I also use a Braille note taker because I know it's going to work, unlike an iPhone and Braille display, which means I have to keep track of another device and going back to the not wanting to use up my battery. Now, with the Braille Note Touch Plus and its great word processor, I can do pretty much everything I want to do with Microsoft Word and some things you can't do on the iPhone. Example, easy and convenient document formatting. Since these devices, I think he means since, the, since, since these devices already have a Braille display, this means I don't have to carry another one around or worry about the display or pairing or having a significantly different battery level than the device I'm trying to use it with. Because what good is a Braille display with a dead or almost dead iPhone for a student or professional with an eight-hour day ahead of them? Also, note-takers are generally faster than iPhones as far as getting to functions. They're not for everyone, but I think they still are a great idea. Thanks, Tyler. Good to hear from you. And I think that's the bottom line, really, that if there is no market for these devices, then they will disappear. And if there is a market for them, then they won't. So I think people should use what they feel comfortable with. And I've always believed that. I certainly don't subscribe to this horrible concept that some do that a um, note-taker product or anything specifically designed for blind people is an inferior product. Now, all of that said, I would push back on a few things. I have quite often, most of the time, in fact, more than an eight-hour day in my life, and I am nowhere close to running out of battery life on my iPhone 11 Pro Max. Nowhere close. So I can, in the good old days, leave the house in the morning it may be seven during the day I often have meetings and I have my meeting notes and agendas and documents I need to refer to on my iPhone I take them into meeting rooms with me meet with other staff and by the end of the day I probably have a good even with a lot of okay let's say I have a, a lot of phone calls I would have a good 25 to 20% battery by the time I get home, say, at about 6.15. So I've still got battery to spare using the device very heavily with my Braille display, and I'm coming nowhere close. So I think we should have a debate about the value of these devices, but I don't think that we should sort of spread misinformation. It might be true that some of the older devices from days gone by might have had uh, some battery issues if you really push them hard. But these days, with a new iPhone, you are in no danger whatsoever of going very hard on your device and running out of battery life. I would also encourage you, if you're interested in this, and I mean, what you have is working for you, and that's the main thing. So I do want to emphasize that. But for those who, who are perhaps considering the pros and cons of this, I would really encourage you to take a look at Ulysses. If I was in a position 
to do audio tutorials at the moment, and I'm not. The one thing I would do an audio tutorial on is the Ulysses app for iOS. Ulysses is incredibly powerful. Not only is it a very effective word processor that allows you to format documents and verify that formatting every bit as effectively as a note-taker product, but it's also an amazing data retrieval system. Because you can assign keywords to documents and search across the database of documents for specific strings of text, I find it just so liberating to be able to go to the quick find in Ulysses and think, you know, what I know that I mentioned this particular business that we're working with or something, I can type in the name and instantly, I mean, instantly the document comes up where I mentioned what I was uh, looking for and then I just uh, double tap and I'm in the document. So it's incredibly efficient. The formatting is very powerful to the point that you can then generate a Microsoft Word document out of your Ulysses document. You can create a beautiful but accessible PDF. You can even publish to a range of blog platforms. So I would absolutely reject the idea that somehow the iPhone cannot produce business-grade or university-grade quality documents. In fact, Ulysses also supports footnotes. So if you're writing an academic piece, you can um, make footnotes in the document. It's effortless. And you can also, of course, verify the the quality of the stuff that you're producing. One thing I would agree with you about is that there have been periods where Braille screen input on the iPhone using a Braille input keyboard, such as those found on a Braille display, has been exceptionally flaky. And that's very unfortunate. I guess the way that I would work around that is to use a Bluetooth keyboard or even Braille screen input on the phone itself. So Apple should tidy that up. I absolutely agree about that. But I'm not sure if that justifies the huge additional expense. And the advantage you have, of course, is that when a new iPhone comes out, if there's a feature that you really want, like 5G and all that kind of stuff, then you can just purchase it and keep your Braille display and keep on rocking. So the cost of upgrade and keeping current is considerably less than you get with a proprietary blindness notes taker. You mentioned buttons there, and I guess if you have an aversion to touchscreens, that's fine. You know, not not everybody likes a touchscreen, but um, the battery life thing, I think, is absolutely a red herring. And it's nice to have everything on one device. So your iPhone can be your book reader. You can have books from your special format library. You can have a wealth of Kindle books and all on the one device. So you don't think, gosh, was I reading this particular book on my note taker or was I reading it on my phone with apps like voice dream you've got a, a very powerful reading solution Aaron says is there any site or group which offers a daily conference on zoom discussing any range of topics just to be busy because I don't have work now or is there any site accepting blind to do online work just for extra money during this situation. Aaron, I know there are a lot of blindness organizations who are doing special meet and greet happy hour type things. I know, for example, that Blind Citizens Australia has been doing happy hours over there and NFB and ACB have both had meetings. So 
I don't know what their attendance requirements are or anything like that, but um, others are very welcome to chime in with any ideas about groups that are getting together just to keep each other company at times like this. I know there used to be all sorts of sort of blind voice chat communities too that might be a good place to hang out. I don't know how many of them are still going. There used to be one called Out of Sight and uh, For the People, and I'm way out of that loop, but perhaps others can chime in and suggest ways in which blind people can just talk with one another. And these days, of course, WhatsApp groups are a really big thing. I would not join one of those because in an age where we seem to have scant disregard for privacy, I really don't like my phone number being shared all over the place. And there's no way not to disclose your phone number when you join one of those. And that's a shame. But that's where Zoom and other conference facilities are much better because you can join without disclosing your phone number. Holger says that he has the 11 Pro Max and uses it for audiobooks via Audible and Bard Mobile. He says, I do not need to have so many devices. If I am listening to an audiobook, the battery lasts close to 13 hours and I still have 40 to 50% left. No logic in having so many things if one can cover all. I completely agree. The battery life on the 11 Pro Max is absolutely phenomenal and I would concur with your experience of the battery life. It just goes on and on. Hey, Jonathan, it's Mike Fair. Mike Fair. What a week. <laughs> Finishing that guide and just finally deciding to let it go and send it out into the world was no small thing. I, uh, I've never done anything as hard to bring to a satisfying conclusion. Just too much kept changing, too much kept moving. Uh, you really need a team, I think, to do a proper job of something like what I tried to do. But it's out there in the world now. Uh, Personal Power, the iOS edition. You can find it at Michael Fair uh, at blogspot.ca. And also it's on AppleVis. They posted it up there. And uh, yeah, it, uh, it, I've, it's gotten a, a reasonably good reception so far. And, and that's great. I know it's, it's not as polished as I would have liked, but with the spell check and the shape it was in and everything else, it, it was just insane. And uh, yeah. But it's done now, and uh, it's it's uh, hopefully out there. Uh, you know, in the current situation, I think it was important to get it out there so it would would be there for people who might get iPhones, iPads, iPods from uh, either charitable organizations or family members who wanted to help them stay safe and and deal with this, and uh, they'd have something to to use to to try and master this. So uh, hopefully it'll uh, it'll do that and help people. But uh, yeah, I've I've been uh, been answering emails, uh, hundreds of them, uh, per, uh, each day at least a hundred plus. You know, for uh, up right up till about Friday, and then things kind of calmed down. I got a bit of a break yesterday. Uh, started reading a couple books. Uh, User friendly is one of them, and, and the author name escapes me now, but uh, it, it strikes me as being pretty interesting, all about how user design is changing life and, uh, and, and sort of has gained dominance over other considerations. So that, I think, will be a very interesting read. It's certainly off to a good start. Thank you, Michael, and congratulations on publishing that um, epic magnum opus 
of a book, about 250,000 words, and I have read it all. I did download it from your your site and imported it into Voice Dream and was able to read that. And the first thing I would say is for anybody who thinks that it's not possible to produce a book or anything significant on your iPhone, well, there's your refutation right there because uh, that was produced in Ulysses. So that was pretty impressive. So congratulations on that. Also, thank you for all the shout-outs for Mushroom FM. That was epic too, and I uh, I do appreciate that. And, and also to find myself in the acknowledgements, which was very nice, and I wasn't expecting to find myself in the acknowledgements. So thank you very much. It was sad that Mosin at Large Podcast didn't get a mention in your podcast list. Devastated I was, too, both. But, <laughs> but um, I kept wanting to shout at my iPhone sometimes. So you were talking about the spell checker working, uh, not working on the rotor, which must have been very frustrating at the end. But the Bluetooth keyboard command for going to the next misspelled word still does work. So you can actually achieve the same thing by using the appropriate Bluetooth keyboard command. One of the traps that a lot of the books that I see on the iPhone fall into is they're very clinical. They don't explain what this means for you, the actual practical upshot. They don't sort of say, well, why should I be excited about this? That's one of the things I always tried to do with the iOS without the iSeries, was not only tell you how to use something, but why it matters. You know, what? how does this change my life? How does it benefit my life? And in this book, the Personal Power iOS edition that Mike Fair has spent all this time writing, he does that. You really get a feel. If you, if you don't have an iPhone at the moment and you pick this up because you think, Go, why what's what is everybody blithering on about? Why would I want one of these things? So you read this, you you will you will know why you would want one. Not just how to use it, but why you would want one. And I think that's really important because it's not always obvious to a lot of people when they get this blank slab of glass, especially now that there ain't even no home button on most of the new ones, and you sort of think so, you know, why why do I need this? So uh, I think uh, I think it's great. If you're a real seasoned iPhone user, you may learn a thing or two, or you may not. But if you're just getting into the iPhone or you want to acquaint somebody with what the iPhone might be able to do for them, ask not what your iPhone can do for you, <clears throat> then um, do check this out. And, of course, the most amazing thing of all is when you consider – the research and the writing time and the refinement and just the sheer magnitude of the task. You know, it's taken four years or so for Mike to write this and he's given it away. I think that is uh, absolutely fantastic. Congratulations on producing it. And now let there be no doubt that it's possible to produce a very significant body of work with nothing but an iPhone and a Bluetooth keyboard. Here's Chris Judd. Hi, Jonathan. Love the podcast. I was wondering, can you please recommend for me some talk stations that you like to listen to from New Zealand? I like news as well. Thanks and keep up the great work. Um, I think the best one to listen to would be our public broadcaster, which is called RNZ, 
short for Radio New Zealand. And sometimes when you go to the apps like TuneIn and that kind of stuff, uh, you will still see it listed there as Radio New Zealand. So if you say play Radio New Zealand National, uh, it will come up on TuneIn and all those apps. And their flagship program is called Morning Report. And that is on at 6 a.m. New Zealand time until 9 a.m. So Eastern time, let's say that will be 2 p.m. U.S. Eastern time. And also Radio New Zealand or RNZ has an extensive library of podcasts. So you can subscribe to the Morning Report podcast and get all the stuff that is going on there where you can hear our Deputy Prime Minister triumphantly proclaiming we have kicked the crap out of COVID-19. Tremendous. Now, here is another email. It's from Carla J. Hi, Jonathan. Many congratulations on the 10th anniversary of Mushroom FM. Thank you so much. That was a wonderful event you and the others organized yesterday. This was Mushroom Stock that Carla's talking about. I'm glad you had fun. We did too. I wanted to give you some feedback on the phone soap. I ordered one and some wipes. A month after my order, the wipes had not arrived and the phone soap was back ordered. I had never received so much as an email from them and they do not have a login or account information on their website where you can find your order. I did get a prompt phone chat and was told that everything is shipped at once, which was not clear when I ordered because I won't need the wipes once I have the phone soap. The agent told me a supervisor would be in touch to split the order and she promised a transcript of the chat sent to my email address. I have gotten neither. So I did email and cancelled my order. If I don't get a refund within a week, my credit card company will take care of this. There is no research anywhere as to whether UV light will kill COVID-45. I think COVID should be given the number of Trump's presidency in his honor. Don't blame me. I'm just reading this and eclipses excitedly squeaking her consent. But it does kill many things. And I did recall that such lights were present in emergency rooms in the U.S. when my spouse, a retired emergency physician, worked in them. I have an HP Windows 10 laptop, and aside from the flat keyboard, it does the few things I still do on computers. When I booted it up recently, it asked me whether I wanted to link my iPhone to it. So my question is, what are the advantages and disadvantages of doing so? Linking your PC to your iPhone doesn't do as much as linking an Android device would. So with the Android devices, you can do text messaging and a whole range of things. Largely, the benefits of linking your PC with your iPhone are if you're going to use the Microsoft Edge browser on your iPhone and you can sync timelines and various things like that. I have not found a lot of benefit other than that in linking the PC to an iPhone at the moment. But that said, Microsoft is quite limited in what it offers in that regard in New Zealand. So there may be more advantages where you are. So if any of our US listeners have any comments about benefits of linking your PC to your iPhone, then let us know. Scott says, my problem with the setup process of new iPhones is that I cannot use my old phone to merge settings 
unless I unpair my hearing aids and braille display. Seems that Bluetooth technology still needs to improve before we rely on it entirely. I guess my view on this still is that the best way to migrate from one phone to another is to use iTunes or if you have a Mac, the operating system backup iPhone feature in your in your in your Mac. You get so much more data sent across, including passwords. An encrypted backup of your iPhone is still the very best way to get your settings across from one to another. Amber says that guide, this is the Michael Fair one, is phenomenal. I highly recommend it for new users of iOS devices, as well as those like myself who've been using them for years. I have learned lots from it and am still in the process of reading it. I'm pretty close to being finished with it. Welcome, Bonnie Mosin. Hello. How are you? I am, for all our Canadian listeners, I am sporting head-to-toe Canadian fashion today. Why? I'm wearing Lululemon. Okay, then. So is, is that from Canada? Yes, it's a Canadian brand. And what's the tea today? That is apple cranberry. Ah, oh, tremendous. Mm. Apple cranberry yeah, So tea. I have a Lululemon headband, Lululemon yoga pants, and Lululemon t-shirt. Lululemon is an activewear brand. Yoga pants. Very comfy. Yeah. Very comfy. And you can wear them to work, down too. Down market, if you ask me. No. Yeah. Hey, you didn't pay for them. They're not down market at all. <laughs> oh, scary stuff. How are you coping in this COVID-19 era? I guess sort of like the end of summer vacation when you don't particularly want to go back to work or don't particularly want to go back to school, but you don't particularly want to be home because you don't want to do anything. Nothing interests me at the moment. I see. Yeah, so... I personally am a little bit envious of those who've got all this copious free time because I'm busier than I ever. I know. Yeah. I don't have any. I mean, I'm working, but I think some of it's been kind of an adrenaline rush because... Before the lockdown, I had Red Puppy Appeal and was so busy with that for two and a half weeks. And then we Mm. went straight into lockdown. And then we started, um, you know, calling all our members. And that was kind of a rush to get through 14,000 people, you know, make sure everything was okay and and that sort of thing. So that was sort of an adrenaline rush. Mm. And now it's kind of gone back to the status quo and it's kind of i think a letdown, well yeah because it's it's kind of working from home has become the norm now yeah so you're not in that kind of emergency there's a war on there's a type war mentality. on i have there's to call i have to call 10 people today oh. and talk to them and and see if they're okay and now it's just kind of like mm. well the food places are back yeah i guess that's the, the best thing is yeah that the Uber well. eats. So are we going to do mcdonald's for lunch oh or the- i don't know so i can cobble together a low carb version of a <laughs> of a burger or whatever I'm looking forward to it, – it's so funny what people want because last week we were kind of discussing on our emails because that's how we communicate with each other at work. People were talking about what they wanted and a couple people were really looking forward to a cup of coffee from like a cafe or mm. a McDonald's usually does a pretty good McCafe. And one of my friends that I was talking to Friday on Zoom or Thursday on Zoom, she goes, oh, yeah, my husband went out to Wild Bean. That's basically BP and brought me back a coffee. And I'm like, you know, I thought about that, but it would be kind of stupid 
to order a coffee from the Wild Bean Cafe on Uber because you would pay more for the Uber delivery than you would for the coffee. Ah, my. Well, you could always indulge in the crispy cream. I could, yeah, but Wild Bean Can't you get like a dozen assorted donuts or something? You can. But you'd have to eat them yourself because I'm not eating Yeah, so I'm not going to eat 12 Krispy Kreme donuts. Why not? I mean, I could. Mm. You can get four. Mm. Well, there you go. Well, you can, you can, and you can get scorched almonds. That's a good point. They're quite nice. You can nice. get milk. 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 Yeah. How milk. do you spell milk? Or, I, I, I don't even. I don't <laughs> How do you spell milk? No, milk. milk. How do you spell milk? I, it's just that New Zealanders. I don't think it has. I don't think it's a word you spell. You just say it. Yeah, yeah. You don't yeah, need to overthink yeah. it. New, yeah. New Zealanders like uh, Australians think New Zealanders New Zealanders say fashion chops. I'm very pleased that I mean I shouldn't be eating it, well, but there's Burger Fuel actually does spell fush. Yeah, yeah, they do it. <laughs> yeah, I, but there's a there's actually a genuine fish and chips place on Uber Eats now, but they're not up for delivery yet, Mm-mm. so that's quite exciting. Um, also, there's been a big backlash about Uber Eats and the percentage they are taking. They yeah. took a real beating, a pounding in the media here, and so now talk about shooting the messenger. Uber's now dropped its former PR firm in New Zealand and came up with a new PR firm. But all these other people are trying to compete with Uber Eats, and they're not doing a particularly good job. No, they're not. They should compete. I mean, in the U.S., you have DoorDash, and you have – there used to be something called Takeout Taxi. That was around in the 90s. Yeah, what about that thing – what was that app? Grubhub. Grubhub, yeah. That that was quite accessible for a while. Mm-hmm. But when I last looked, which admittedly was – a couple of years ago now, it, it, it's gone quite inaccessible. You could get some really good steak yeah, you could get gross. with those genetically modified mm-hmm. American baked potatoes that were so, so humongous, loaded with bacon, butter, oh, sour cream. And then there was, um, what was the other one called? I don't know. Oh, Instacart. Instacart. This, that's still a thing. I, I see a lot a of people talking about Instacart. What and do I, you think of this whole note-taker debate? I mean, if someone wanted to give me an oak taker, I wouldn't refuse it. Because? I still like, and I know you can do it with the phone, and I know you can do it with the Braille device and all that Braille display with like Ulysses, but I still like something I can just pick up, flip on, and sort of like picking up a notebook and flipping it open and writing down whatever you want to write down. I like that. You don't think you can achieve that with the phone, given that you can just unlock it, you know, be in your app, you know? I mean, I guess you could. I mean, I guess it's what you get used to, mm. but and just getting into that mindset. I mean, I think the note takers are overpriced. I guess they have to be for the market. You know, they have a very niche market now, and it is hard. I I, I see increasingly it's difficult for people to get them serviced, and that depend and and that's not a criticism of any spe- specific company it seems to be across the board it's it takes time to get them serviced and if you have an older model like i still know someone with a pk they can't get it serviced i think that but i understand why rehab agencies don't particularly want to buy them they're very popular with student with kids though yes you see education market is what's keeping yeah. note takers alive it's sad how a lot of these devices are using quite elderly versions of Android and yeah. keeping them updated mm-hmm. seems to be a bit of an issue. Uh, but that's a that's an issue with Android generally. Here's Aaron from the Philippines. He says, may I request that you stereo pan you and Bonnie? Okay. I stopped doing it because it's not often a done thing in America. And I used to get emails from some people in America saying that there was a fault 
But I, I mean, I, I prefer it. So yeah, sure, we'll, 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 we'll do that. Here's an email from Christopher Wright. We always want to hear from Mr. Wright. Hmm. Hello, Jonathan. I'm considering whether it's worth the money to get one of the Apple Lightning camera adapters. I would like to connect various types of USB devices to my iPhone 6S and would love to get experience from you and or other listeners concerning the use of the product. Here are my questions in no particular order. Should I get the regular adapter or spend a little more for the USB 3 version? I'm thinking the regular adapter would work just fine, especially considering the only iOS device to my knowledge that supports USB 3 are the iPad Pros. I know it should be possible to connect USB flash drives and external hard drives using the adapter and then manipulate data on those devices from the Files app. Can I connect USB keyboards, Braille displays, audio mixers, and USB microphones as well? Could I connect my Behringer Zenix 302 USB mixer to my iPhone and use an XLR microphone? Does iOS allow me to also capture the system audio with the mixer as is the case on Windows or Mac OS. Finally, could I use a U- use USB to Ethernet adapter to provide a wired internet connection? One thing I can comment on with all of this, Christopher, is that you have to be really careful because the iPhone will not supply a lot of power to your USB peripheral. And so you may find yourself having to use some sort of USB hub device as an intermediary for some of those things. I haven't done a lot of this. I haven't even used flash drives. I've used it for microphones like the Blue Yeti and some of those things, but that's about the extent to which Wouldn't it be easier just to connect to a computer? Well, but he wants to do lots with his iPhone, man. Oh, but you're still reading St. Mary's. Oh, yes. I have been reading a book that, if you listen to the smorgasbord, Anthony and a couple of other listeners have been talking about. This is called The Chronicles of St. Mary's. It's a series of books by Jodie Taylor, J-O-D-I Taylor. And she's a British author. And the idea is that St. Mary's is an institution of historians that have learned how to traverse the timeline. That would be fun. Yeah, the idea is that they can sort of go places and they're supposed to observe and chronicle but not change the course of history. It's on the humorous side. It's it's quite witty in places. I have to say it gets a little bit raunchy in places. So if you, it's, it's one of those books where they used to have that little message about this book is best heard with headphones. Or, did they have that in the States? No, it wouldn't say. <laughs> they would read the annotation and, you know, they, they read the annotation in this voice. A institute of historians who travel back in time. Mm. Some explicit descriptions of sex. Yeah, yeah. I, when or sometimes I w- it would be some descriptions of sex, some explicit de- and explicit descriptions, of some strong language and explicit descriptions of sex. When I was about 20, I got um, into this, I don't know, summer job or something where I would read this production that the talking book library in New Zealand did, it would be an audio book that would go out to all the library people and it would basically tell you about all the new titles 
that was Sound and Touch Quarterly, I think it was called. And I think it still exists. Wow. Well, well, I used to I used to narrate it. Oh. And um, so I would read it, you know, from the from the hard copy braille. And you'd get that a lot. You'd have to sit there and 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 you'd read the synopsis, and then it's a strong language, explicit descriptions of sex. And as a twenty-year-old, I thought oh, I'll just make a note of that particular book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, my library didn't really pay much attention to who they were sending the books to. Mm-hmm. So I was reading Jackie Collins and Judith Krantz yeah. when I was eight. <laughs> so. You were corrupted. That's what I was corrupted at yeah. a very young age. Yes, yeah. I don't think I understood some of it, but you know, it was a good book. And right. then I reread them later, and I'm like, I read this when I was eight. This is a bit scary. I mean, it, and it never failed. Even after I was eight, I could be reading a book. They could be talking about the weather, and all of a sudden, my mother would walk in, and they would start doing things. Always, mm. always. Mm. Yes, 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 there you go. You see, your sins will find you out, I think is Mm -hmm. the saying. And I just finished reading Stormy Daniels' book. Yeah, I was surprised because when Stormy Daniels has come up in our conversation in the past, you've been quite derisive, I have to tell you, quite derisive. Well, it's not a career choice I would Quite judgmental. But it was a good book. Mm, I'm sure. Well, I I watched her interviews on 60 Minutes, I think it was, you know, and she was quite articulate, okay. I thought. She wasn't particularly happy with that interview. Really? Mm. Mm. Well, there you go. Sarah says our version of this audio book about books in Canada was called Wordsworthy. That's a cool name. That's a cool it's name. It's like a PBS show. I have a couple of observations regarding Microsoft Word the Microsoft 365 edition. The first observation I would make is that I've actually just been something to play with. And since I'm working in my studio slash office with a fantastic mic all day long, I've been getting into the dictation that's built into Microsoft Office. This is not the Windows dictation, but the one that's built into Office 365. And it's really good. I mean, I'm quite surprised. It's Every bit as good as Dragon, in my view. It's very accurate, far more accurate than the dictation, in my experience anyway, uh, that is in the iPhone. So that's good. And here's another one. Here's a question. You don't put two spaces after a full stop slash period, do you? I've never. I mean, I haven't done that since the typewriter. Right. But a lot of people still do it. And I... I find myself having to correct people's typing. I mean, you know, I have uh, not done that in No, well, I mean, you're not so supposed long. to do it. You know, I mean, it's it's it, it's no longer considered oh, acceptable. Gosh. And the journalists were what? journalists whinge about as much. What as, are they whinging about? Oh, they were going on about the spaces. What they want them or they don't want them? They don't know what they want. Ah, okay. <laughs> they don't. So, they were just talking anyway. about the good old days when you did that with the typesetter. Right. So. So two two spaces after a full stop slash period hasn't been the thing to do since God knows how long, at least the 90s. And so finally, Microsoft Office has got the pip. And if you – I don't think they've rolled this out yet, but I don't know because I never do it. But if you do it, they will now flag a space uh, – t- two, two spaces after a full stop slash period is an error now. And about time too. But it's amazing how many people are – Outraged by this. Outraged. I mean, why are they doing it all this time? I don't know. I think they don't know what the reason behind why it was done in the first place. Right. It was because of typesetting. 
Yes, that's right. Which, and they just were never taught. I mean, that's what – if you had typing teachers, they drilled that into your head. But uh, – Mrs. So, Bailey, the typing teacher. Yeah. I had Miss Rust. She's yeah. still alive. Well, I, I've got Stephen Baum to thank for this, um, the Kurzweil 1000 man, who actually told a bunch of blind people in the 90s when I was on the Kurzweil 1000 beta list, you don't do it. And I, I searched in a probably Alta Vista or something <laughs> um, and, and found that he was actually right. And so I stopped in the 90s doing full stop, space, space. Now Microsoft is flagging it as an error. So that's uh, apparently upset a lot of people. And just want to... Um, congratulate Michael Fair on his book, Baby. But you haven't read it. Not yet, no. no. I just got it on no. Friday or something. Oh, have you got it? No, you just got it. Yeah, right? I, well, I've, I've read it. Yeah. Mm. Yep. But that's quite an accomplishment, 200,000 words. Yep, in Ulysses, 250,000 mm. wow. words. Wow, that's Ulysses. amazing. Yeah, it's, uh, and, and Ulysses now has a new version out, mm. version 19 of Ulysses. And there's a lot of change coming up in version 20, and they're actually asking for competent blind voiceover oh, users great. to beta test some of the new features to make sure that voiceover uh, does work correctly with them. So that's really cool. And maybe I should use it more with my Magic Keyboard because I was struggling with the Braille display. Yeah, definitely use it with the Magic Keyboard. There are lots of keyboard commands that you can use in Ulysses. Because kept around, and I couldn't get back to where I was, and uh. it was very disturbing. Here's Christopher. Now, we've had a few Christophers and Chris's. We've had Chris Judd. We've had Christopher right now. We've got Chris Judge. Oh, so, dear. Very confusing. Hi, Jonathan. Chris from Nova Scotia, Canada here. I hope you were staying well in these challenging times. Nova Scotia is not only dealing with the virus, but last week the worst mass shooting in Canadian history took place here. So we're dealing with a lot right now. I yeah my my condolences. I've been following this. I, I get push notifications on the CBC app, and um, it's a horrific thing. Uh, here in New Zealand, we've uh, about a year ago experienced a similar thing, and it's uh, it's it's very tough, especially for a, a country that doesn't have a gun culture. Wonderful to see Justin Trudeau following the lead of our prime minister and just banning those assault weapons, which no one has any business owning. Uh, anyway, uh, Chris says, I love the Mosin at Large podcast. The longer the episode, the better. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to begin by thanking you for all you have done over the years. I can't even begin to tally up the knowledge I've gained from listening to and using your resources. You were the deciding factor in me becoming a Sonos junkie. Yes, mm. it's all your fault. A couple of weeks ago, while listening to Mosin at Large, I learned about the new S2 operating system coming soon. After reading up on the subject, I was happy to learn that, with the exception of my Connect, which got me started, all my devices are S2 compatible. Now I'm just keeping my fingers crossed that the new interface will be as accessible. I agree. And I tell you what, We've also learned, Chris, and thank you for your very kind comments, by the way, is that um, it looks like Sonos is readying a new play bar that is going to have support for Dolby Atmos. Oh, my word. So I don't know what speakers you have to configure with this new play bar to get the Dolby Atmos support, but I tell you, I will be out there like a shot when that new play bar arrives. You're going to be looking forward to that, Bonnie? Um, if you are. 
<laughs> what about all the epic, you know, sort of en- en- entrancing, engrossing movies? Mm. Mm. I'm not as big a sound junkie, I don't think, as you are. Oh, you'll love it, I promise. Especially when we listen to the Abbey Road in Dolby Atmos, which I've been trying to do since it came out. Here's something that you might have an opinion on. Uh, it's from Jim Mannion, because you have a perspective as an American in Paris. No, I mean an American mm. in New Zealand. I wish I were an American in Paris right now. Well, maybe not right now. No, I don't think you do. Not at the moment. I think you would rather be an <laughs> in American in New Zealand, actually. Yeah, not in Paris. I think you would. Maybe one day. Hi, Jonathan. I know you were talking about it for a minute the other night. I like your country's perspective on tipping much more oh, than no. here in America. I feel that, for the most part, here in America, the price you pay, such as $12 or $15 for a burger at a level above fast food, is calculated, taking into account their costs. Then they expect you to pay a tip additional because you were told how the service staff don't actually get paid a living wage. My problem is that I feel I already paid for them to be paid a living wage in the initial bill. And I at least find it suspect if the answer given is that I did not actually pay enough. Then with food delivery services, there are a number of service fees, including the tip which is required with the initial payment. That is not a tip. That is a service fee by another name. What say you, Bonnie? I like restaurants that already include the gratuity in it because there are a lot of restaurants that do that, and that's okay. Again, there's – it's hard to know because I I have known people that say, no, they don't get paid. You know, they have to split the tips at the end of the day. Other people, depends on the restaurant, depends on the state, depends on the city, whether they get paid a living wage. So it's – I don't know. I – I don't mind tipping if someone has been especially good. I do mind. I mean, why should I tip someone for doing their job if they're just coming over? And and a lot of times they come over, they, you know, ask you what you want. Sometimes you can't even get them back. You're having to call the restaurant, which I have done in the past, Hmm. just to get someone to come to the table. So why should, I did yeah, that. I used yes. to do that when I first got a cell phone. I actually. did. I did. Yeah. Someone's like, "You're going to do that?" I'm like, "Yeah." Yeah, yeah, I've I done it. I don't yeah. care. Yeah, they're not paying attention. I'm waving my arm around. You can't get their attention. I'm calling them. Yeah, they're yeah, right there too. Yeah, yeah. But some people, some servers will go out of their way, and I and and if you're going to be in the hospitality industry, you need to be hospitable. But then there's some that it's like they expect a tip, and I'm like, no. If you expect a tip, then you're going to have to really go above and beyond. I think that's the most cogent argument I've heard in favor of tipping is that some people say it actually incentivizes the wait staff to treat you better. But we just don't do it in New Zealand. No. We don't a tip. Lot of po- no. Is America the only country that does it? That tips? No, I think I think tipping is the norm, actually. Really? Yeah. Do they do it in Britain? Don't, they don't do it in Britain, do they? Yeah. They do? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we yes. just happen to know some very stingy British people. I, th- <laughs> I think tipping, tipping perhaps isn't quite as institutionalized in Britain. Oh, I um, have gotten into literally arguments at the table about tipping because it was 15%, then it went up to 20%. Yeah, and, I know. Yeah. And I mean, it. it's just 
It it I don't know. I, I mean, and I, I think I think you do have to act culturally appropriately. So when I go to the states, I mm-hmm. try and remember to tip. And and now I do. I kind of I've been to the states so often that it's just instinctual. But I have noticed that that when I first started going to the states, probably in the late eighties, it was even ten percent sometimes. Yeah. And then it went up to fifteen. Now it's twenty. Yeah. I will in the airport. They now they say they're not supposed to take tips. The airline people that are assisting you and occasionally, uh, yeah. occasionally I have go like the last time I was in LAX and hopefully that is the last time I'll <laughs> be in LAX which it sounds like it could be because we have cut our route yeah. we have uh, snapped that tether to Los Angeles yeah um permanently it looks like mm. but um the gentleman his name was Raphael and he walked me off the plane and and when I flew in from New Jersey and he was taking me out to the shuttle to get on the um, – to go to the, the hotel and I need to find a bathroom for Eclipse. And there was one inside the terminal and it was so disgusting. I mean she was not going in there. So he took me to this place where they take their police dogs and he was really nice. And I gave him a tin because he went above and beyond. I said, you know, just go buy some coffee or something. And he goes, oh, I'm going to get a hot chocolate. And, and he was just nice. You know, we had a nice chat and – um, he was from Mexico. His girlfriend was from Samoa, you know, so he knew about New Zealand. And, you know, I just – I wanted to give him something because he was – he went above and beyond, you know. And above and beyond. He did. And that was that was good when people – and the same thing when I was in Houston several years ago. And sometimes if if they – if I don't want to give them money, if I'm getting them to get me something to eat, or if I go to an eating place, I said, do you want something? And I, I remember that lady, she wanted a Red Bull, so I got her a Red Bull. So, you know, you, you, I like to be nice, but if you're not doing your job, I don't feel that bad about not giving you any money. Well, I asked somebody, I remember, when I first started going to the U.S. more often and I kind of got into this tipping thing, and I said – if I get assistance at an airport, am I supposed to tip or not? And it was interesting, the debate, because one person said, yes, a kind thing to do. They they get very little wage themselves. And one person was absolutely adamant. You do not tip. You must not tip for an accommodation. It sets a bad precedent. And this is an accommodation. Mm-hmm. So anyway. My yeah. favorite story about mm-hmm. that was um, – a co-worker that I had who had a guide dog that was traveling on company business and she would always bring in her receipts and there was this $40 tip at the airport and the, her secretary said, what is this $40 tip? You know, why did you tip the – well, she had a male dog and the person took her outside to find a place for the dog to go and – they got peed on. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, well. So, you know, well, she felt really bad. Oh, so she yeah. kind of over-tipped because yeah. their shoe got peed on, which was yeah. nice, you know, but mm. still <laughs> kind of funny. As we all try and cope with the coronavirus, visually impaired people in Hong Kong are struggling to get hold of crucial information about the coronavirus because half of the city's major Chinese language news organizations don't have accessible smartphone apps. This is according to a local disability group. With more than 2.9 million people infected worldwide, including 1,037 locally, 
An investigation by Hong, Hong Kong Blind Union revealed that COVID 19's disproportionate impact on the 2,000 visually challenged, it says here, residents the non governmental organization represents. The group reviewed the mobile apps of 10 news corporations in the city between April the 6th and April the 21st, ranking their accessibility on a scale from zero to two across 17 metrics, including whether apps allowed users to change the font size or the display screen's color contrast. Five of those surveyed received a score below one and were judged inaccessible by the NGO, with TVB News at the bottom of the pile with 0.67 marks. And certainly I related to this because I think there are many places around the world where we have been denied what is essential information. I've been bleating on here for years about issues with certain media apps in this country. And when you have a major crisis where it's absolutely important for blind people to have access to this stuff, it really does matter. So good luck to those in Hong Kong who are advocating for a change there. I see also that the National Braille Press has said that it is offering free digital downloads of two children's books to address the challenges in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic for blind and visually impaired children. The free downloads will be available all the way through until August the 31st, 2020, and they include Totally Silly Jokes by Alison Grams and Choose Your Own Adventure, The Abominable Snowman by R.A. Montgomery. The digital downloads can be obtained in the following formats, Daisy, eBraille, and Word. Print Braille versions are also available for $5 during this time. So you can go to nbp.org to find out more information about that. That's nbp.org, and there's so much good stuff on the NBP website. Now, the BBC is reporting that a blind man says judgmental attitudes are deterring visually impaired people from daily exercise. Hugh Spence said people with even partial sight loss, which can make depth perception difficult, were afraid of breaking social distancing rules. Those with guide dogs were also constrained as the animals weren't trained to the new guidelines, he said. We don't know if we are two metres or six feet away, so it's not safe said the 28-year-old from Northampton. A lot of sighted people are very judgmental. They are worried about people getting too close to them, said Mr Spence, who works for Northamptonshire Association for the Blind. That's making lots of visually impaired people very concerned. A group of sight loss charities have also been calling on the government to classify blind and partially sighted people as a vulnerable group making them eligible for priority lists for delivery slots. Despite being a very active person normally, Mr Spence said he'd not left his house for four weeks. The online exercise classes many sighted people have turned to during lockdown are unsuitable for the visually impaired as they lack precise audio instructions. As a result, NAB has begun running online dance classes in which the steps 
are described in detail, and the first session was watched by nearly 300 people. So that's great that they have taken that initiative. And it's interesting to hear that there is still this debate about whether blind people should qualify for priority slots in supermarkets. It's something that just happened here. It's made a huge difference to us. So how about it, Boris? Get that one sorted, man. Jonathan Mosin. Mosin at Large Podcast. Here's Gary O'Donoghue. Welcome, Gary. He says, hi, Jonathan. I have been using Instacart during the lockdown. It's a pretty accessible app. The cool thing about it is that you can interact via their inbuilt text messaging system with the person who's doing your shopping. So if something's out of stock, they can tell you what the available options are and you can decide to go for something else. There's a bit of variability in how willing these shoppers are, but generally it's good. On the question of the camera adapter, I use one to connect an ATR 2100 USB mic to my iPhone and iPad, and it works just fine. Yes, that's what I've used it for, microphones. It is, though, expensive for what it is. $30. Well, this is Apple we're talking about. And we have another contribution from Gary. If I just flick down here in the jolly old email... I still can't get used to American tipping. I was with some American colleagues once. The waiter accidentally tipped a beer into my lap. When it came to pay, I said I wasn't tipping. My American friends were horrified. So I ended up paying extra for the privilege of having trousers soaked in beer. Yeah, well... That is ridiculous, isn't it? I would never tip. In fact, what I what I might do in that situation is tip one cent or something to make it really clear. I hadn't forgotten, <laughs> uh, but but that I was making a point. Hey, boss, it's your follower, well, Steve. But that's not what I'm calling about. And before I tell you why I'm calling, I want to say, in the interest of full disclosure, that I have never met Michael Fair, and I have never met. Sarah, although, of course, we are comrades on Mushroom FM. I know that on a number of occasions, Michael has talked on the explosion about his guide. And you probably know this, but some listeners may not know, the guide did come out on, I think, April 30th. I saw a notice about it on uh, Top Tech Thursday Tidbits, whatever that's called, Dean Martineau's excellent publication that's been going forever. And I downloaded Michael's guide, and I have to say that to anyone who is either a user of anything iOS, somebody who's considering obtaining an iOS device, or a teacher of an iOS device, Michael's guide is definitely for you, and it is unbelievably comprehensive and complete and free. I mean, that's the the real key. There are all kinds of paid tutorials, as everybody knows, on the web, and they're good. They're certainly perfectly fine. Lots of podcasts, etc., etc. But Michael's guide is just unbelievable. I He's to be commended, and I know he spent a lot of time, and he's talked on the explosion before about sort of having to go back and things like that. Well, it's paid off, and I hope that absolutely everybody uh, who 
would be interested in such thing, but I think anybody could use it will do so, and I hope that as time goes on that uh, Michael gets lots of uh, favorable reviews from places like Access World, and maybe he could even be a guest on Tech Talk or somewhere like that, you know, that uh, the folks in California. Congratulations, Michael. As I say, I've never met him, but uh, uh, I think that everybody needs to know about that guide. Good afternoon, Jonathan. It's Petra. For those people who um, are hanging on to the old SE because of the size, I love my new one. I was one of the people who didn't upgrade because I wanted the smaller size. I love this one. It has the home button. It has the haptics. Uh, the screen is a little bit larger for not that much bigger phone size. And the battery life is phenomenal. I try to use mine up, and I can't. It usually lasts for about two days. Jonathan, this is Shirley. Jenny. I just wanted to tell you, for the person uh, looking for phone calls and things like that where they could connect up with people, I wanted to mention a couple of groups to you. Um, first of all, ACB, um, as you had mentioned earlier, is doing a lot of phone calls. So um, I would get on that website. They've got every imaginable topic you know, at this point um, on Zoom calls that they're doing almost every day of the week. And I honestly don't know which ones, you know, require um, membership and which ones don't, but they, you know, they do everything from sharing recipes to um, this week they did a, a cancer support one and, um, you know, an alcoholic support one and, like I said, they've got about everything, book discussions, anything you could imagine. Um, there's also another organization called Covia. Their website is www.covia.org. Now, this is for seniors. I think you have to be 60 or above, and I obviously don't know the age of this individual. But they have a, a service called Well Connected. Uh, on their website, and they have all kinds of phone calls, um, again, of many, many different topics. This is not, um, you know, necessarily for blind people, but there are a lot of, uh, you know, there are a number of blind people um, who utilize it, and they're, um, you know, going all the time. It's not just during this COVID thing. Uh, it's an organization and everything you do, you know, there's no charge for. You can donate to them, but there is no cost. And um, it's definitely worth checking into if the person, you know, is uh, in the age group that I mentioned. That's a very resource-filled message. Thank you so much, Shirley. And I hope that will help all kinds of people who might look for some connection and companionship. And a reminder that throughout the week, I will be here twice a day to hopefully offer some of that and you're welcome to get in touch via the methods that you've been doing throughout this show. The Smorgasbord is on at 2 a.m. and p.m. every weekday. That's Eastern Time and it's live. That's 7 a.m. and p.m. in the UK. We also have a couple of new shows on Mushroom FM coming up in the next week. So do check out the schedule. The schedule is filling up nicely and we're certainly starting our decade number two in style. 
To contribute to Mosin at Large, you can email Jonathan, that's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N, at mushroomfm.com by writing something down or attaching an audio file. Or you can call our listener line. It's a U.S. number, 864-60-MOSIN. That's 864-606-6736. Mosin at Large, 